to a special edition of our show, Herstory. On the rocks! With Katie. And Allie. Normally just be Allie and I hanging out, just the two of us with a couple of cocktails talking about famous women in history. But sometimes we like to talk to people who are writing about history, or in this case, just their lives. They're very interesting lives. <laughs> we have a very special guest here with us today, Kanchan Bhaskar. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure, Allie and Katie. Um... First of all, I'm very happy to be on your show. It's a popular show. Uh, about me, I am Kanchan. Uh, it's an Indian name. I was born and brought up in New Delhi, India, and I moved to U.S. much later in life. Uh, I have been a very happy-go-lucky girl when I was in college and, you know, studying and uh, brought up in a very modern, progressive environment. There were no... Uh, there were rules and regulations, but nothing was like taboo or, uh, you know, we were given freedom to take decisions to make our own careers and education and parts of life. So it was a great life. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, then obviously the rest of it is in my book, <laughs> what happened <laughs> after my arranged marriage. So yeah, things changed. After I got married, it was an arranged marriage. Uh, arranged marriage, I should say, to a very socially charmer, uh, bright man uh, who, you know, turned out that uh, he was an alcoholic and a narcissist, a violent person. Uh, and he kept me in his trap uh, under his control and power for the longest time. And I became his victim, so to say, till the time I accepted that I was a victim and I had to get out of this. But how? That was the big question. Mm -hmm. It was not easy. It was not easy to get out from the trap of a perpetrator when I had three children born by the time, a daughter and twin boys. And uh, leaving abruptly by just packing a suitcase and walking out was not the solution at all. Uh, the law was not on my side. The uh, society shamed me. And the lawyers told me that if you go for a divorce, then all the three children will be divided. He could get one or two. Or if he proves that I was having a relationship out of my marriage, then all the three could go to him. And that was not acceptable to me. So I had to plan very strategically my exit from him. And that's what I did. And I survived. And I'm thriving now. So yes. that's my story. Well, and we should say that now after this, and we're going to talk more about uh, your story in your book in a moment, that now you're a business coach and a human resources professional and a certified advocate and speaker and coach for victims for other survivors of domestic violence. And you're actually here to talk about your book, Leaving How I Set Myself Free from an Abusive Marriage, which mm -hmm. I mean, that's incredible that you can give your story to other people to take with them. Yeah, sure. You know, that's the whole idea of writing the book, that I wanted to reach out to people in adversity, just like me, and tell them that getting out is possible. 
So set yourself free because we are born free and we need to die free <laughs> and live freely first before dying. Um, so, you know, that's exactly what I want. I want to reach out to these uh, people in domestic violence and uh, tell them, share with them the tools that I use to escape and uh, how I planned it and how I began to build this ramp one after the other uh, steps and uh, the ramp broke in between. Uh, but I was, you know, just determined and totally committed to get free and protect my children. And that is what gave me the resilience and the tenacity and uh, the relentlessness to keep uh, moving in the journey. Mm-hmm. Well, in honor of your book and your journey, we've created a cocktail for you. Um, So it is this beautiful pink (laughs) cocktail. (laughs) Wow, the color is nice. Yeah. Uh, So it's really simple. I was thinking about this whole idea of freedom and lightness and just a weight coming off of your shoulders as you are leaving this horrible situation. So I made it Really fun and simple. It is grapefruit juice, lime juice, and you top the whole thing off with champagne. Uh, and cheers to you. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> Wonderful. So usually what we do at the beginning is we set the scene for the book, which you've kind of done by talking about yourself. But can you tell us a little bit about life growing up in New Delhi and what you thought marriage was supposed to be based on watching the people around you? Yeah. So, you know, I was uh, very blessed to be with the parents who treasured each other and who valued each other. They were just like any partners should be uh, kind of nurturing each other and in love with each other. So, we were as a family a little different from the rest of the society so-called because uh, the rest of the society around me where I lived was a little bit more traditional, traditional, not whole lot, um, wherein, you know, still the men have their own man role belief system that I am born to be having the power and the woman is there to serve. Uh, so, but then again, they were all decent people uh, where uh, where I lived. I mean, I never heard stories of any women beating or women bashing or things like that. So uh, my own home environment was uh, very blissful. And uh, we were given good values of respecting each other and caring for each other. Uh, there was a whole lot of equality which was, again, unlike any other uh, traditional families where the boys and the girls were given equal treatment. So I had three other siblings, two brothers and one more sister. We were all given equal treatment. So my dad used to say in Bhaskar's house, there is no difference between a girl and a boy. Mm -hmm. Um, I got my education in one of the premier institutes uh, in uh, Delhi, Lady Urban College, which was like a British, you know, at that time, the the system came up and we continued, they continued to have it. And then I went to do my master's degree in social work, Um, had fun life, you know, I had literally, uh, you know, just uh, 
a party girl, I would say at that <laughs> time. <laughs> but, uh, and I have to share this story with you. You know, the first Western movie that I went to see, uh, missing my classes in college was Love Story mm. by Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, the first time when uh, Ryan Neal kisses, uh, uh, what's her name? Olivia. Uh, Olivia was the actress. Yeah. So they are sitting on the university footsteps and he kisses her. And I whispered in my friend's ear with whom I've gone, oh, my God, look at that kiss. That <laughs> is the kind of kiss one should have. So pure and so nice. So, yeah, I was, uh, you know, very... Uh, lively girl I should say you know wanting to live life and then I found myself in an arranged marriage at the age of uh, 22 and uh, growing in my own family I thought that the you know marriage means partnership and woman has to be respected period there was no question of any violence between a husband and wife but my uh, at that time my husband did not believe the same perception at that, as I had. And uh, the first time when he hit me, uh, my life turned upside down. And I was numb. I was uh, shocked. I didn't know what happened. Like, is this what happens after marriage? But I was not told. Mm -hmm. um, but I still stayed with him in that marriage. Uh, the initial years only because uh, he was very manipulative. You know, he would uh, fall in my feet the very next hour and cry and say, I love you and don't leave me. Where will I go? So that is how the initial years went before I had three children. Um, and uh, after the children were born, there was absolutely no question of me leaving him and going somewhere uh, Typically only because, one, he was manipulating me. Two, I had no other place to go. I had my most loving parents there to support me, but I would not tell them everything um, just because I didn't want them to get hurt. And uh, the society shamed me. The law was not on my side. And uh, the lawyers, if I went to them, they told me that if I go for a divorce, my children will be distributed so again you know I, I could not have done that so in a way I was trapped in his control and I continued to live but then till the time I did not accept that I was a victim I thought this was a normal life mm -hmm. and then my faith in universe brought me certain collaborators in the form of angels and mentors and guides and one of the angels who came in my life, you know, all of a sudden, I didn't know her. I was standing outside with my three children in a veranda in the evening. And she came and started to talk to me. And she said, uh, you look very sad. And at that time, I had my twin boys just uh, glued to my chest. And my daughter was wrapped in my legs uh, standing there. She was about four years and my twins were two. Um, and she said that what has happened, you seem to be an educated girl. And I said, uh, yeah, this is my story. I started to cry. Um, I was like, what, 25 at the time. 
So uh, she said that, why don't you work? Um, and I said, how can I work? I've got these three children, they're toddlers. How, how can I go and work and leave them at home? She said, don't make excuses. These are all excuses that you are making. Do whatever it takes. Put your children in boarding schools, put them in a day boarding, hire a nanny, do whatever it takes, but become financially independent. It will, you know, build confidence in you and you will have some money and then only you can plan things ahead, whatever way you want. Mm -hmm. That was the day. That was the day that um, uh, it was a turning point for me. And I said that, yes, where is that Kanchan who used to be confident, who used to live life? And why is she now become a victim where she thinks this is normal life? This is not a normal life. And then I started to visualize how freedom will look like to me. And I committed to myself that I am going to be free. Mm -hmm. And uh, the angels kept coming. The universe I knew was my friend. It was benevolent. It's going to look after me. And whatever is happening to me is also a part of the blueprint that the universe has for me. And I have to accept whatever is happening. I should not, uh, uh, you know, go against the universe. And, you know, like after war, there is peace. Uh, I am sure after this suffering, there is going to be some peace. And I strategized and planned my escape because I could not afford any error during that escape. If I made any error, I would have lost my children. Mm -hmm. So my only uh, focus and my uh, mission was my to protect my children mm -hmm. and to give them exactly what I was given with my, my parents, by my parents. Uh, so I looked for a job I got the job very very soon not you know just about within a few months uh, and again the higher power was there around me uh, I got a very good job in a multinational which was a you know reasonably good salary and everything I put the children into boarding school so that was my next step towards the ramp building that I started to build it was slow but it was steady and uh, the period I knew of my stay in that trap is going to be very long because I was told that unless the children turn 18 and they say themselves in the court that they want to live with their mother, I have to wait. Mm. So so I, the, the, I put the children in the boarding school and then the third step on the ramp was buying my own house in my name only because my perpetrator used to just push me out of the house any time of the night mm -hmm. uh, with my three children. And I said, no, I need a roof of my own on my head. And that was the third step that I took. And, uh, you know, things didn't change. He would not go for any medical help or any counseling or therapy or anything. Uh, he was a... Uh, uh, you know, alcoholic and he, he had the addiction, so he wouldn't leave that. So finally, then I thought to myself that I have to leave India mm -hmm. and go somewhere far away where he will not be able to uh, find me or the children. 
And that was the time I came to US yeah. and US gave me my freedom. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it was easy to get a divorce. Uh, within three months, I could divorce him. Um, and the day I got my divorce, I jumped on my two feet, high in the air, called all my friends and all the people I knew and said, I am free today. So <laughs> that was the day I got my freedom in 2003. And then there was no looking back. Um, I uh, kept on doing my job. I did things that I wanted to do. I started to travel. I go to Europe once a year now. Um, I have friends around. I go to jazz shows and music shows and, you know, go to a bar sometimes and have a cocktail. I love margaritas. I love (laughs) booze. Mule is my favorite drink during summers. So, yeah. Uh, I can easily say that I'm thriving now and so are my children. Yeah. Well, and I love that you always talk about your journey as a ramp, you know, because ramps are slow and steady inclines because I feel like there's this perception of domestic abuse where it's like, well, why don't you just leave? And it's like, you just, you know, people don't understand that it is that ramp journey. And then you say that your ramp got broken a few times, which also happens. So what were some of the things that, you know, kept coming up that would, you know, thwart your plans and you'd have to rely on those strategies and those tools that you talk about as well? Right. So one of the main episodes that happened when the I thought the ramp had broken down was that my daughter who, my eldest child, she was like a friend to me, you know, um, I was 22 when she was born. So we were like, you know, growing up together to some extent when uh, she was growing up. And uh, when I was hit by my perpetrator, I used to go and sit with her and cry. And, you know, like she would uh, listen to me and give me the support. And she was, she she matured very fast, I would say. So um, when she grew up, to be 18 or 19 uh, or before much before that I think she was in grade 8 she got into acute depression Mm. so um, I haven't written much about it in the book and I would not want to even talk Mm. about it because she hasn't given me the permission Mm. but it was pretty pretty acute Mm. and uh, uh, so I had to leave everything and look after her uh, she went through certain treatments, etc. Um, uh, now, but uh, that is where I say the ramp broke because mm-hmm. of you know those episodes that happened from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my belief in self was one of my pillars mm-hmm. and one of my uh, strategies that I planned it this way. That okay, fine. Again, one of the angels he said to me, Kanchan. He wrote on a paper with a red pen, M-E-Me, and underlined it. And he said, Kanchan, think about yourself first. Mm-hmm. Me, meaning you, meaning, you know, like what I'm saying, you understand, right? Mm-hmm. So it's me. So unless you are happy, you cannot make your children happy. Mm-hmm. And you are such a young girl. Why? You look so sad and depressed to me. So you have to look after yourself first. And that was the day that I thought, yes. I have to get into self-love back and I erected mirrors in the house and I 
said to myself, looking into them, I'm the best, you know, simple, small formulas, uh, universal formulas that we all know. I adapted uh, self-compassion was another thing, self-preservation. I started to rewire my brain to get off the hurt and rewrite things on it. Um, I got into creative visualization. That was something, you know, that I will sit in one corner of the house and just visualize uh, snow-clad mountains and the uh, ocean waves and the birds in the sky and the red flower and things like that to create some peaceful space in my head for that time being and think about something positive and be positive for those hours. So belief in self was one of the big things for me. And then belief in universe was another thing that helped me out because I learned acceptance and I learned forgiveness. And I started to get intuitions uh, because of the universe was with me. So it was like the gut feeling started to happen to me, you know, that something is going to happen or something is not going to happen. So be happy. So those things uh, worked out for me. And uh, I think these two were very, very helpful in my escape. And in my thriving, I would say that I am on a journey of spiritualism. And my belief in spirituality has helped me a lot. Uh, even after my divorce, I think my hurt was still there. And I would uh, get up every day with that film of some episode or the other in my in front of my eyes. And, you know, the whole thing was embedded deep in myself. Uh, and I had to get rid of it to feel happier. Mm. So um, I think the path towards spirituality helped me with it. And I felt close to my soul. So these three beliefs have really helped me. I use them even today and I think that these three beliefs can help anybody in any adverse situation it may not be just domestic violence but anything for that matter right how long after you got to the U.S. did you start to feel comfortable talking about this and what were some of the hardest parts in writing about it so you know as far as talking about it I have not talked about it so much, mm -hmm. but I suggest to everybody that they should talk. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking up is one of the first and the foremost and most important thing that a victim should do to speak up. But I did not because I came to this new country with new people. I was not sure whether they will accept me with that kind of a story or not. So I did not talk about it for a very long time. And acclimatizing was another thing that took us a while, you know, me and my children, uh, even the corporate world was different, uh, where in you had to get up and do your own facts and you have to do your own printing and your own plugging the computer. <laughs> Whereas in India, we have the luxury of doing nothing and you have <laughs> working for you. So uh, that was so different with the big malls and the sprawled uh, land and everything. Uh, the drive-ins for Starbucks and you know like how <laughs> now things have changed in, in India too but at that time when I had come in 2000 it was different in India so yeah the speaking was a little difficult for me still my very close colleagues uh, when I was in California uh, I had uh, 
a few um, uh, male colleagues who, with whom I started to share things and they knew kind of a little bit about my story, not the whole lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was not, my children were after me for a very long time to write the story and bring it to people. And they should know, mom, that you were, uh, you know, brave to do this. And maybe somebody can really uh, benefit from your story. Uh, I could not make myself to get back to that hurt. And, you know, I did, I was out of that for a very long time now. And I didn't want to get there till my therapist, Leslie, she told me that Kanchan, I went to her and in those days I was struggling with my purpose in life. Like, what is my purpose in life, you know? So I kept on talking to her for a few weeks. And then she said, Kanchan, you have such a compelling story. You need to take this out and let people read it. Let people know your story and you can become their advocate. And that will be your purpose in life. And that was the day that I thought I have to write the book. Mm -hmm. Um, It was initially not difficult, I would say. I got excited and I thought, now this is my next mission. I have to write a book and reach out to people. So I, you know, put a table and a chair in my patio and I thought, okay, fine. I had this structure in my head that I'll go more chronologically and, you know, from the year I got married and how things happened all the episodes um but when i actually started to write the uh the not the episodes yeah the episodes only when i started to write those episodes and i had to write my emotions in that that what i was going through what i was feeling and you know what did the room look like and where was i sitting and what was he doing so that was that became very tough for me. And, you know, I thought at that time that I keep thinking that I moved on, but I don't think I've totally moved on because the things are still somewhere deep there still. And uh, so, yeah, it was tough for me. Um, but the whole mission of writing this was so strong in my head that I did not deter. I kept on moving. I would... Uh, get up in the middle of the night I went through a lot of insomnia and I would write uh, in the middle of the night you know like that oh fine this happened that day so let me now write otherwise I'll forget it Mm -hmm. so I I kept on writing there were times when I had to take some breaks you know go for a walk outside or I took some vacation a couple of times I went to Germany in between and calmed myself and you know um got the tranquility and peace and came back and then again wrote so yes i did go through ptsd for a year or so um but i have no regrets about that because i'm so happy with the result that the book has come out and the reactions that i'm getting uh, from people like you who are uh, enlightened people and understand others and don't uh, judge or uh, you know don't uh, have any notions of asking a question why didn't you leave you know how society asks you that you should have left so I am really blessed to have uh, people like you who are talking to me and wanting to understand more and uh, listening to all this I'm sure others will understand uh, from where I'm coming and um, together we can all help these people even if I can help one person I think that one person can then help 
one other and it will be two and then two will help two more. That's how the revolution start. You know, it always starts with one person. And like me, there are very small pockets of women who are doing this kind of work, but they're very small pockets. You know, they are, they are not even recognized. They are not very known. So I really want that people like me who are survivors should come out and share and talk more about it so that others can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that people listen to this interview and they find your book and it acts as one of their tools to maybe Mm -hmm. get out of an abusive relationship. You know, your book kind of reminds me of when they tell you to put your own mask on on the plane before you put anyone else's mask on. I'm hoping that this book and your story can act as their tool, their mask to help them get out of something. And, and as you said, help spread the word. So where can people find this book and where can they find you online? <laughs> so uh, I am, my website is kanchanbhaskar.com. Okay, perfect. And I'm on all other social medias. I was never on a social media. I'm <laughs> very uncomfortable with it. But mm-hmm. now since January, I'm on all kinds of social media, you know, including uh, Twitter and Insta. Uh, and I'm told now that I should be on TikTok. So I'm going to do that also. People tell us that too. <laughs> yeah, we're not on it. <laughs> so much work. But yeah, my, my website will have all the links. Oh, okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This was amazing. Yeah. Yes. And so inspirational. It's really yeah. brave, not only what you did, but then to talk about it. And also that your children are so inspired, yeah. especially your daughter, who yes. wrote, who wrote a forward in the book. For the she book. a little portion. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And they are so well settled and we are a happy family now. So that's so yeah. wonderful. Thank you. Uh, well, it was a joy to meet you. Yeah, so great. Yeah. To meet you. Thank you. And me too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye